Welcome to the Apostolic Girl Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Johnson, and today on the show, we're going to be talking with Carly Horton, who is a certified nutrition coach. I am super excited about this call because Carly is going to be teaching us a lot today about a topic that I think many, many apostolic women and and people that are even not in the church are um, struggling with. And it's it's something that is not talked about a lot. And we're going to talk about it today on our show. So welcome to the show, Carly. Hey, thank you so much, Kelly. It's such an honor to be on here. When I saw your page and what you were doing, I was so honored that you asked me to be on here. So um, thank (laughs) you for the platform. Oh, you're so welcome. And I'm excited to know about what it means to be a certified nutrition coach. It's not something that I've ever had. I've never mm-hmm. had a nutrition coach, but coaching is near and dear to my heart. We, I do business coaching. And so I love following your page and reading your posts and watching your stories. You're, you're just so good at relating to your audience. And I love that. And so oh, yeah. um, before you. we get, oh, you're welcome. Before we get into what exactly does an, a certified nutrition coach do? Why don't you bring the audience up to speed on how you became an apostolic? Sure. Yeah. Um, so my, I was kind of born into it. My parents were both apostolic and I was raised in an apostolic family, um, from the time I was born, but I would say I probably didn't really do it for myself or find it for myself until, um, I started going to college cause I was homeschooled from seventh grade until the end of high school. And then okay. I started taking some college classes And that was the first time I really saw anything in depth that was anything different from being apostolic. And, um, and I, that's when I, the first time I probably even had an opportunity and and around the same time, there were people in my church, Mm -hmm. um, that kind of did choose that way. They didn't completely leave. Obviously we're still young, but some Mm -hmm. people did, but I think that was the first time that I kind of found it for myself and um, even in prayer and anything, everything kind of made that decision for myself. Wow. So what you're saying is you were homeschooled and then when you got to college, you realized that your life was different and, and, and had to decide whether you wanted to keep living that life or change to adapt to the people around you, huh? Yes, definitely. What made you want to keep living the life of an apostolic? I think, um, just seeing the culture of other people in some aspects, obviously it's inviting um, the just the world in general, like all other ways of living and not mm-hmm. even just religiously, mm-hmm. but it's inviting. And then there would be other, there would just be things that people would say or they would share with me. And I could obviously cannot relate to that. And mm-hmm. I At the time, I really didn't even want, maybe I wanted to relate to it, but I didn't want to really understand on a um, empathetic level, you know, to really go through that Mm because it just sounds, it just sounds like um, something that I would not, just the way that the world lives, it's very risky. It's, and it's just like, almost like, why, why are they living in the first place? And Mm -hmm. that's why they're 
so up and down just by specific friends. I love those friends and I've mm-hmm. made a lot of friends in college, but it just seems like there, there's no stability. There's not really, um, maybe they have a, a community, but mm-hmm. it's nothing like what's in the church. And obviously, um, I'm a, I was a Bible quizzer. And then after I was done Bible quizzing, I became a Bible, Bible quizzing coach. Um, wow. And there was definitely a shift probably in my last year. My last year was definitely not my best year um, as far as like performance and Bible quizzing. But that's the first year I think that I really started to dive into the scriptures and really understand what they mean. And then, yeah, and it was very um, life altering because then I could kind of look back at all the scriptures I knew before Mm -hmm. and interpret them and um, cause it was obviously KJV. So really when I was younger, I did it since I was, um, nine years old. So I knew a lot of scriptures and I had no idea what they meant, but, wow. um, yeah. So growing up and just really fi- finding that this is truth. I don't want anything but the truth. Um, wow. and obviously I'm not, was not a perfect person. Definitely made some decisions that were, um, not in the way of the Lord and, I ended up not liking it, even the few little steps that I did take. So Mm -hmm. the way the truth, I just decided, you know, in prayer and with everything, I was just like, yeah, this is something that I definitely want to continue to live in. Oh, Carly, that's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's um, something else that I admire about your Instagram is that you're so transparent and just so willing to share even your struggles. And that's rare for someone your age, because it doesn't seem like you fear judgment of your peers very much. And that's, that's a gift. You're going to be a gift to the people that, that, that you coach. So yes, it's definitely something that I have to be intentional about because my natural tendency is to not say any extra words, even in my day-to-day life and not open up and anyone in my family can tell you how hard it is unless I am intentional about it. Um, so, but what changed and made me want to be intentional about that every single day is when people being vulnerable to me over podcasts or over social media impacted my life so much that I knew that that was something that I also wanted to do so that maybe I could impact somebody's life in the same way that I was impacted. Wow. That is so beautiful. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that, Carly. Yeah. Just some inspiration for those of you who also find it hard to open up, you know. What did you do after uh, the Bible quizzing when you went to college? What did, what did you pick as a major? So um, my first major that I went after was actually geography. Um, Okay. I chose it because I was really into the outdoors, but I wasn't really sure how I was going to have a career in the outdoors. Coming out of high school, my mm-hmm. my main thing was just I did not want to sit at a desk, um, which is okay. kind of funny because <laughs> it's probably what I'm going to end up doing. But <laughs> well, maybe it'll so, be a desk in your home. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I don't want to. So. I decided to do geography because I took a geography class and my professor, she was super inspirational. She traveled all over um, Mm. and she did like a lot of backpacking trips, which I'm still super into backpacking, but the geography, I ended up getting my associates 
And then um, about my last semester, I was saw that there was a school or I got interested in the outdoor leadership major. Um, I saw that a school offered it. So then I started looking at like other options. And I ended up going back to my hometown, which is in Redding, California. It's about three hours north of Sacramento, which is where I live now. Um, And I moved in with my aunt and my uncle. And I started going after that outdoor leadership major. Um, Mm. And I loved the outdoors. But I think that I didn't really like being away from my – I go to a a pretty big church here in Sacramento. I go to the Rock Church. Um, And then I I think that adjusting to the smaller church – wasn't really working out for me and um and also in the back of my head was kind of this mindset of how I'm not really sure how I'm going to use outdoor leadership after I um after I graduate because it seemed like it was going to be like a weekend job you know you take people out on backpacking trips and you can guide them but that's going to be weekends or through your entire entire summer. So it didn't really seem like something I would want to do for the rest of my life. So okay. then, I, and it was a really good experience. Um, and I'm super glad that I went and did that, but I ended up coming back home. Cause I was like, I really feel like I, I prayed about it a lot. Um, and that mm-hmm. was one good thing that was really good about being there was just the isolation. Um, Cause I'm used to being around so many people. I have really close sisters. I have a really involved church. I'm at the church or before COVID, I was at the church every night for something. So, Mm. um, (laughs) being that, that isolation, I would just drew closer to God and just like my relationship with God. I was doing hope core at the same time. And, um, yeah. So then I ended up coming back home and I was like, all right, well, what now? So I ended up taking a semester off, um, and worked full time, for the first fall semester, I think that it was when I came back home. Um, and then I ended up deciding that I was going to go back to school and major in nutrition. And this is what I'm still going for now. And I'm really deep into it. So I'm pretty sure this one's going to stick. This major. <laughs> How long have you been um, studying nutrition? Um, for about two years now. Okay. And what made you switch to nutrition? Why? Why nutrition? Yeah. So nutrition, um, the reason why I chose it at the time, it was really not for good reasons. And I've switched my reasoning now. Um, But at the time, I was really, really struggling with body image. Um, And I really had looking back and what helped me come out of that um, mm-hmm. at least to a certain extent, I'm sure I'm going to fight it for the rest of my life, but, um, cause it's just because of the culture that we live in. But, um, I, at the time I chose to do nutrition because I felt like I wanted to do it for myself. And I was like, this is such a hard task to accomplish. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to show other people how to do it. And at the time, my mindset was like, how do this seems like a like a global um, problem as that as to why people can't go on diets and stick to the diets and why people can't lose weight and keep the weight off, and mm-hmm. I um, that was like my mindset at the time. Um, l- my whole life, really though, I 
I really uh, struggled with my food because um, in my culture, it just seemed like no matter how small a person was or how big a person was, Mm -hmm. it was like always a topic of conversation. Um, If we weren't eating quote unquote healthy food, then we had to talk about why we were eating that quote unquote unhealthy food. Um, And Mm. we had to like talk about, you know, um, when we were going to start our next diet and all of that, you know, no one ever told me, you know, watch out what you eat. Um, But uh, observing from just every, and it was every single, I'm not pointing out my mom, not pointing out my sisters. I'm just pointing out all the women in my family and people at church. It just, that's how our culture is. And there's no blame to place on anybody. But um, just the the conversation around food and all I the relationships with food that I observed from the people around me was um, to never be okay with your body. You know, no, it wow. seemed like nobody was, and I still kind of see that today. And yeah. so, growing up, um, I wanted to learn how to perfect that. Um, I have definitely have a Type A personality, mm-hmm. and um, I would I have like, I don't know if OCD would be, I have OCD tendencies, I would say definitely don't have OCD. But um, I just wanted to figure out how to master this. I I didn't want to, I didn't want to be the unhappy woman that I observed around me all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to figure out how to master this problem. And then um, that way I could at least be happy and then maybe help everyone else around me. Um, and so I was like, how am I going to, how am I going to learn how to do this? So even before, um, I chose nutrition as a major, I struggled, I would restrict myself to a certain amount of calories, or I would, um, say I can only have these certain foods every single day until I'm this certain way out weigh myself every single day. Mm. Very, just, just very, um, just, just, just disordered about it all. And I would carry so much shame if I would have a bad meal. Um, every single time we would go out of town, if I couldn't eat, you know, the fresh foods that we have in the fridge, mm-hmm. um, if I was had to eat wherever my family was stopping to eat, I would just carry mm-hmm. so, so much shame and think about all the ways that I could work out to get off. And, wow. and the worst part about it all was I felt like I was – that I was alone in the fact that I cared so much. You felt alone in that you cared so much? Yes, yes. So, um, what does that mean? I, I felt like that, you know, the women around me struggled with their body image, they struggled on how to eat right. But I felt like for me, I, I, um, cared so much I felt like um I I was the one who was so more worried about it than everyone else because it was constantly on my mind um mm-hmm. how, am I gonna eat right today I was I lived in fear of my own food mm-hmm. I was like am I gonna be able to eat what I want to eat today is somebody gonna bring home some pizza is somebody gonna bring home something that's gonna tempt me um and I felt like, and also eventually I got to the point where I was binge eating. So I would, 
eat like perfectly for a number of days and then it would just catch up to me. Um, and I can explain all the science of it, but really, Mm -hmm. um, it's what was, what would happen is, uh, my, my survival instincts would, would kick in and my lower brain would, um, which is like the lower part kind of like in the back of your head. Um, it's, it's really similar to what you would see like a deer or something like that's, that's the only part of their brain that they have. Um, and, but of course as humans, we have our prefrontal cortex, which is our upper brain. Um, so our, our, we have our upper brain to make intelligent decisions such as, you know, we, the fact that we even struggle with body image, uh, there's no animal out there struggling with body image, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So, um, but that, so what, what happens, what happens with everyone who struggles with binge eating is Mm -hmm. eventually your body thinks that you are starving because no other time in our human history did people, limit their food on purpose they were if they were limiting food yeah it was because they couldn't eat there was no food available so what um what was happening with me is my my body was like okay we're starving um we're constantly hungry we're going to bed hungry so eventually your lower brain is going to kick in so much that you turn that you're you they actually have seen brain activity um it literally turns off and you're not able to make intelligent decisions and then you just pig out on anything. Um, wow. Whatever, the, the, all those things that you restricted on before you eat. And it's kind of um, the same thing that happens with, um, I, with my clients. Like when I try to explain it to other people, everyone mm-hmm. knows how um, like kind of with our sexual desires and I won't go too deep into it, but what they see is when we know that like we want do we don't want to go too far sexually like that's an intelligent decision mm-hmm. but um but sometimes that's why we have accountability partners or we have um chaperones because we don't want to get to that spot where our prefrontal cortex turns off and then we're not able because all our lower brain knows to do is oh we want humanity to survive you know we want and that's mm-hmm. why we have our sexual desires. Well, it's the same thing with uh, food. Our mm-hmm. body, we want to survive. That's all. We have those survival instincts. We literally will die without food. We won't die without sexual sexuality or not sexuality, without sexual action. But mm-hmm. we will die without food. Um, humanity might die without sexual action, but it's the, it's the same sort of thing. So that was um, what I was struggling with was the binge eating and it just got worse and worse to where I was, um, eventually I started to have to, it went from binge eating disorder to bulimia. And, um, Mm. I started to feel so much shame in binge eating that after I would binge eat, I would learn how to purge that food or throw it back up. Um, and that, and it didn't take too long to where, when I was struggling with that, where I was like, okay, Um, I'm going to choose nutrition as a major because I want to figure this out. So that was kind of my mindset going into it. Oh, you poor thing. I can't even imagine. I mean, I've heard of this before, but I can't imagine enjoying some good food and then getting rid of it afterwards. Like, 
what what would make you want to get rid of it afterwards like by throwing up is that because you just felt like it was going to add some unhealthiness to your body or some fat to some places you didn't want it like what why the compulsion to to get rid of it after you eat it tell me that well really it's the prefrontal cortex or the upper brain kicking back in and so mm. once you satisfy that need the lower brain because what happens is like, oh, okay, upper brain, you're not taking good care of us. We're starving. I'm going to kick in and take over. And then once that need is filled, I suddenly am back into my perfectionist. Because uh, mm. what I didn't, when I, once I chose the nutrition major, mm-hmm. I wanted even more to be more perfect with my diet. So what I didn't realize or what, what I didn't want to realize was mm-hmm. the more perfect I was the more I at risk I was putting myself to binge and the more often I would binge and then purge. So I would purge because I was like, I wanted so badly to erase just what happened. I want to go back to how perfect I was being. I see. Okay. Wow. That makes so much sense. Okay. Um, You have a funny story about working at a store and driving to get some snacks. Can you tell us that story? Yes, yes. <laughs> so I, um, this was like at the just absolute, um, just peak of my eating disorder. I, I hit a peak and then um, it actually took me close to a year to really start um, to where, to where I didn't binge anymore. Um, and so mm. it's been around two years since the last time I binged or the last time I purged, but, okay. um, I, this was like at the peak, this is right before I decided that I didn't care how I was going to eat. I was just going to learn how to stop purging, binging and purging. But, mm-hmm. um, so this story, so, um, I was working at a grocery store. I, I don't think, I think it's just in my area, but it's called Bel Air. And, um, I had been doing perfect like the entire week and I was just like, you know what, tomorrow and and I was eating the same sorts of foods. And so I said to myself, I was really struggling. Um, I think this was a Thursday and I was like really just like trying to eat to my perfect food, whatever it was. I think I was vegan um, and I was like very, very hardcore vegan. Like I would never ever eat anything even though there was just like a little bit of dairy and something I would never eat it and that's not how I am anymore but I would not eat it um and so I was really struggling with being perfect that day and um I was like you know what Carly don't mess up right now don't binge right now tomorrow we'll save our calories and then we can eat um like a certain number of these certain chips that looked really good to me. I did e-cart, so I would um, shop for other people. And so Mm, that's what I did all day. I would go through the aisles, shop for other people. And so um, certain things would look good to me, especially since I was restricting myself so much. Even the people from my work, they knew that I ate a certain way, that I was vegan and that I wanted to eat healthy because every single time you know, our boss would get donuts for everyone or there was just, um, you know, yeah, there was like, or we would even do, I feel so bad now, but they would do like potlucks and everyone would bring 
food and I couldn't eat 80% of their food. And wow. I can really tell it, it got to people. Um, and it's not like, you know, I had struggling with diabetes or anything. It was just like, oh, no, I don't <laughs> want to eat it. So wow, that's how it was. So I, when I got off that work on Friday, I was like, I can't purchase this food here. Like that would be too embarrassing. So I drove over to the other Bel Air um, because I had like really good employee coupons. I drove over to the other Bel Air still in my work outfit and I go in there and I want to do this really quick. Like I feel so shameful for getting chips and ice cream. Um, <laughs> and I'm you like, poor thing. I know I, it was just so bad, but I was like starving of course at this point. So I go in there and I'm trying to do it and I get out and I think I'm like good to go. And, um, and so I go out to my car and then there's this guy from my church out there and he sees me and I can tell he's confused because I'm in my work outfit and he knows I don't work at that Bel Air. He knows I work at the other Bel Air <laughs> and I'm holding a bag of chips and ice cream in my hand. So my insides are just absolutely just going crazy. Um, but he goes and he he's like, oh, hey, Carly. And he luck, he did ask me why I was there. Um, and I just said, like, oh, I forgot to pick up this food for my brother. So I stopped here on the, my way home. Um, and oh, even Carly. though and it didn't even make any sense because that store wasn't even on my way home. But he did <laughs> ask me about oh, it. Carly. So so um, it was just like really, really bad. And so. Anyways, going getting going home, I I did what I said I was gonna do. I only ate that certain amount of chips and I only ate that certain amount of tablespoons of ice cream and then I went to bed and I was starving because obviously those are more highly caloric foods. They didn't fill me as much as the food I would usually eat. Not that that food filled me enough, but I was mm. just completely 100% restricted. Um, so then the next day I, I was scheduled an appointment to get my teeth whitened. Um, and I, the whole reason why I need to get my teeth whitened in the first place was because, um, this is a symptom of people that purge is your teeth get yellow because you're throwing up all that stomach acid. Um, mm. and it's made to break down foods. And so it, it ends up breaking down the enamel on your teeth, which keeps oh, your wow. teeth white and it protects them. Um, what, and then, so I, but me and my state of mind, I didn't want to consider that possibility. I just I was see. like, you know, it's, chance you know like I I was just completely just did not want to look at that so oh. I go get my teeth whitened and um I use like this group on things I don't know so it wasn't like through uh, my dentist just mm -hmm. through some lady but I was kind of in a dentist chair and the specific kind that she used she told me um that I couldn't have any dark foods after for 48 hours after to make sure that it worked and me, I got really stressed out. I was like, okay, I have to eat completely vegan and I can only eat light foods and I have to be in my calorie point. I have to have my certain amount of macros. Um, I can't have any sugars or saturated. Like I 
was just considering all of my restrictions at this point and they were adding up and but to me being in the eating disorder state of mind I was like I'm gonna do it anyway I will press mm-hmm. through so I get home and I was alone my um this is when I had already finished Bible closing so my family was all out on a Bible closing trip so I was home alone and then I actually ended up binging again which to me I don't know why it always came as a surprise. Um, Well, looking back, I do know why. It's because each time that I would binge, I would think it's because it was because I didn't have enough restrictions. And so I would reevaluate, make a new plan, and then probably have a new plan that was even more restricted. And so then I would, of course, restriction eventually equals binging um, when it comes to food. So I came home and with all the new restrictions I had, which I didn't expect from the teeth whitening and her saying I could only have like really light foods, um, I definitely like it was coming for me. Like I, it was coming for me. Mm. So the, the only problem was what made this different than all the other times that this would happen where I would restrict and I'd go for a week, two weeks, and then this would happen, um, was the fact that I knew that there was no way I could purge. And because I um, didn't want to ruin my teeth whitening. And like deep down, I knew that the reason my teeth were yellow were um, was because of the me and my bule- and bulimia, just like the side effect. It's a known symptom. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it kind of was a come to Jesus moment because I just had to sit there with my discomfort. And, um, and of course me, this is not what to do by the way, but me being there was just like in a really big state of shame. I would shame Um, anyway, even if after purging, I would shame, I would have shame for purging my food, but having Mm. to sit there with it, um, it's really uncomfortable because you, and I thought I was the only one at the time, but working with so many people now, I know it's like so common it, you eat like a crazy amount. Like I said, it's that lower brain Mm -hmm. kicking in, it's taking over. You're not using any forefront, any foresight. And then once it goes away, once that need is filled, all that's left is you gain all your foresight back and you're, and you're sitting there like, what just happened? <laughs> you know? Wow. Um, so that was when table started turning for me. Um, and I just decided this is, this is not what I want. So having to sit there and with my discomfort and not really having that being not really being relieved of um, my stomach being like so expanded or mm. not being able to erase what I had just done. Um, it really showed me that this wasn't sustainable, not mm-hmm. just because of getting my teeth whitened. I had so much time to just think about other things. There's so many reasons why I can't do that and why um, it's not really what I even wanted. I didn't want that. Yeah. Carly, how does somebody who's struggling with this start to work their way out of, out of it? 
Um, it's very, very gray area and which okay. is, which is what makes it hard because usually a person struggling with binge eating disorder, mm-hmm. um, is not very, is not a gray person. It's a very black and white person. I'm not trying to attach any personality type to it, but, um, people that are more perfectionistic are more susceptible because they're more likely to restrict in the first place. And typically people don't binge without restriction. Um, I see. And so to go, and especially when you restrict even more and they're, a lot of people out there, they'll try the whole dieting thing in quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're like, oh, this isn't for me. And then they'll go back to eating normally. Um, and a lot of, uh, that's how, I don't want to say a lot of men, because I really don't know. But when the perception of men and what they give off as is kind of um, like that, like it's normal to eat when they're hungry. They don't really have that restriction. So um, they, you don't really, like, I, I'm thinking of my brother as an example, like he's never really struggled with that because men are, as I've seen in my own experiences are typically not as, um, body don't have many body image issues. Yeah. Yes. And, that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, he, he just kind of has a normal, he senses when he's hungry, he eats really what he wants, what he's craving mm-hmm. and that's it. Um, and you'll, the average man that I will see, I've had like men client clients and they'll say, yeah, I tried it, didn't like it. So I didn't do it. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, so for typically the person trying to come out of this, they're like, okay, so you're telling me that for me, for me to um, get rid of this eating disorder, I have to basically eat whatever I want or, or have, have my diet be in gray area. And that's really the thing to do. And I know that sounds crazy. Um, and not every, not every nutritionist, not every dietitian will agree with me on this, but I'm telling you from personal experience, you cannot help somebody recover from an eating disorder Mm -hmm. if they do not first start from square one, because anyone with one square one is just eating whatever you want is that what square one is yes whatever you want okay what i had to do and it did not happen overnight like i it was that point where i started searching for help i was like i want help with this and um you had the average like okay get an accountability partner which is not a bad idea mm-hmm. but then they they still keep in the part of the diet part like oh you mm. Keep dieting, but just don't do the bench part, which is what I have been trying to do all along. Mm. Um, not many people or not definitely not old school dietitians are aware of the restrict binge cycle mm. and they don't um they Adjust don't it. right, right, mm. because they they look at the average person and they're like, Well, just be more like them, you know? And mm-hmm. um, but the thing is a person with struggling with an eating disorder, they don't know. I just wanted to be like my brother. I just wanted to be, um, like be in a thin body Mm -hmm. and eat whatever I wanted. But 
to me, I, I thought that was impossible. I was like, for me, I gain weight no matter what. And I'm just going to, which is crazy for me to think, but that's kind of what diet culture has made us to think that if we eat whatever we want, us women are just going to keep gaining and gaining and gaining mm -hmm. um, weight, and, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is not, not accurate. But wow. so what I had to do um, was start from square one. So um, this took over six months for me to actually do this for me. I would do try it for one day and then say, I don't like this. Like there's no structure. I'm going back to a diet, doing a do new diet, or I'm just going back to being vegan. Um, mm -hmm. and all of that. I, or I would do people. Um, I even tried eating in quote unquote intuitively, which I, you, I do use that word a lot, especially on my Instagram. I do encourage people to eat intuitively, but mm -hmm. you will find people out there who have the intuitive eating diet, or maybe they're not, they won't call it a diet. They'll call mm -hmm. it intuitive eating plan. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like, take one bite at a time, chew it for 32 chews, and then Listen to your body. Are you full or are you not? <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, but it's I just funny. couldn't even imagine chewing for 32 chews. Like, I want to swallow as fast as possible. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then they're like, okay, sit for 15 minutes. Are you full? If you are not, come back. And it's like, mm. that's still a diet. Sorry. Like, that's a diet. <laughs> exactly. So I tried that. And then finally, I was like, okay. I have to start from square one. So, um, and I listened to a lot of podcasts. So at the end, I will give the specific Instagram accounts and um, podcasts and um, all of that. Okay. Um, and I'm sure they can be in the show notes as well. Is that, is that okay with you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, perfect. Um, so I found one podcast in particular that really, really just helped me click and but still I listened to it for months before I really started to work on myself and fix this um and um I so this is what I had to do I was like okay I'm gonna forget everything that I know about nutrition which literally I didn't forget because there's, that's impossible but <laughs> <laughs> I um pretended to forget and okay. so Okay. And it was hard for so many reasons. The first one, the, the hardest part was telling my friends and family, hey guys, I know I've been vegan for years. Um, I know I've counted calories. I know I've all gave you advice on what to eat and what not to eat, stuff that I've learned from school. Um, but now I'm going to eat whatever I want. <laughs> that just sounds funny yeah like how do you make that transition and explain mm -hmm. how, you know that it's it's okay right it was well, okay it... wait did your family know that you were struggling with bulimia no they did not okay so then that makes it even harder right to explain that you're going to go from vegan to eating whatever you want right right they were oh. very very confused how did and... you bridge that gap carly because obviously well, you're they're gonna find out from this podcast. You had to have told them sooner. Yeah. Oh yeah, I did tell they <laughs> okay. all know now. Okay. My whole okay. Instagram knows. <laughs> okay, good. It's like definitely like my story, but I've never explained it in detail like this. So I'm excited to share this podcast on Me my Instagram. Too. I can't wait for you to share it. I know it's gonna help so many people. Oh, okay, really so walk us so. through how you go to, from eating 
really restricted to eating whatever you want and then letting people around you know? Sure, sure. So first, um, I really sat down, like I said, type A person. So I'm sure this is this is not what it looks like for everybody. But I sat down and was like, okay, what food do I like? What do I dislike to taste? What what tastes good? And I'm like, I don't know. Like I haven't had soda in years. I haven't had dairy ice cream in over a year. I like there were just um just regular chips without it being have have to be like the really healthy kind. Um I didn't have that in over a year. Um there were just what are some other things? There were just like so many things. The ice cream part was definitely like one. The soda part was one that like I always wondered what that would taste like if I liked it, but I would never I was like, it's too bad. I can I couldn't possibly drink it. No way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, so I'm gonna do this. So um I think that I started with this kind of like with the food that my mom would buy for my brother. I would taste one here and there. Um and I at first I did it without like anybody seeing and then through the podcast and like through learning was like, no, like you, that's kind of like closet eating, you know, that's, that's not recovering. So, um, I would first, um, my siblings, I'm closest to my siblings, obviously. So first I did with my siblings and I just told them, Hey, you know, I decided to, I didn't really explain the whole thing. I'm just like, I was just like, I'm going to let up on my diet for a bit see how it goes. And they were just like, what? They, they were so confused. They were my two little siblings. Um, my two older sisters moved. They got married a long a while back. So my two younger siblings, like whatever, like they they think I'm weird anyway because they're completely different personalities from me. But, um, so I would eat. Um, I started out like eating my brother's food and figuring out if I liked it or not. Um, I figured out that I really liked hot Cheetos. I was like, man, this tastes good. Wow. I'm yes. surprised because I would think that your taste buds would not like stuff that you haven't had. Like, did you never have a hot Cheeto before or it just was a long time ago? It was, it just had been a long time. It mm. Like these foods, um, these were the foods that I would like binge on mm-hmm. really. Um, and, oh, I see. Or I would eat like the most similar thing that like I would look at my brother's Cheetos and be like, can't have that, can't have that. And then I would um like grab, I don't know, some crackers and then binge on those. Mm-hmm. Um so it was like I glorified these foods because they were always off limits for me. Mm-hmm. Um and so like pizza was another one of them. So this went on and like I'm not gonna lie, I'm not gonna pretend like anything you're going to gain weight. If you're struggling with an eating disorder, Mm -hmm. you will start out gaining weight. Like it's going to happen. But here is what, um, really surprised me. And I'm, I can't promise this for everybody, but I will say it's very likely, especially having gone through even more school at this point. Um, you will get tired of eating junk, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like it, you will get sick and like um and not it was never like on the level of binging it was never like that it was just like man i i actually want some fruits right now i actually want real food i really yeah. want to cook up some beans and and it was something that i actually wanted you know like i 
I started to crave the healthier foods, the the nutrient rich foods. Um, That's awesome. Right. And, and, and so that's what, that was kind of like what happened in action for me. Like it was like, mm. it was a very slow transition. Um, and I haven't weighed in two years at this point. Wow. So I don't um, really know how much my weight fluctuated. Um, I didn't know at first I didn't work out either. I was like, because I knew like a lot of the times the reason why I worked out was because, um, for, cause I wanted my body to be a certain shape. Mm. And so I was like, okay, what do I actually like to do for exercise? What is fun? And so I tried biking. I tried, um, skateboarding. <laughs> I tried, um, I've always liked rock climbing, but, um, I would just like go for walks. Mm-hmm. I and just take take it low key. I actually really do like jogging, and I wouldn't allow myself to really jog long distances. Um, around like towards the end of my eating disorder, mm-hmm. because I read somewhere like you actually burn more calories if you lift weights, and so I was like, well, that's what I'm gonna do then. Um, and and they're like, and it helps structure your body more. So I told myself it was off limits, and I was actually like a really good runner um, in like growing up and mm-hmm. I actually loved it. And so I went back to running cause I was like, man, I actually, I didn't time myself. I didn't use those apps that count the calories that you burned. I just did it to breathe in and breathe out and to focus my mind to get it off of like my laptop screen or whatever. And I was like, man, this is actually something that I love. So oh, wow, Carly, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I just, it sounds to me like you just allowed yourself to live without obsessing over what went into your mouth and what, what pounds you gained or lost. Like you just allowed yourself to be. And in doing that, um, your body naturally got fed up with the junk food and wanted, wanted the good stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And I saw awesome. such a difference. I, um, I'm going to do a post coming up soon. I just, my Instagram for my nutrition page is not really high priority since I do have another job and in school and all of that. So I, I post when I have time, but one of the posts that I do want to post soon is kind of how I look like in my eating disorder and what I look like now, because, um, yeah, I, you can see my face is like really is, is, um, sunken in like it's not it's smaller but it didn't really look good um and yeah and like to me all that mattered was size and looking back now I I had body dysmorphia too like I really thought I was huge I remember one day I was swimming with my older Mm. sister and um and I thought I was bigger than her and um and She was like, no, like, you're not bigger than me. And I was like, yes, I am. And so we would just like brush it off sometimes. And then one day we were like, we were like swimming um, at a friend's house. And I remember looking in the the window Mm -hmm. of the, the house. It was like all of us girls there, of course. And she stood up next to me and she was like, look, Carly. And then I looked and I was like, what? Like, how I, 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 that, that was another one of those moments. Like, I cannot believe 
I am smaller than her. And I really thought I was so much bigger. Like, um, and it's not always that clear body dysmorphia, but I really thought I was huge at that time. Um, so, but yeah, I had my acne. I had very bad hormonal acne. Um, and, and who knows what was going on. This was when you were purging. Yes, this is in my eating disorder. Yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm thinking you would have had acne when you were binging on hot Cheetos. Um, well, I wouldn't. I I wasn't binging because when I when I started eating whatever I wanted, I just would eat whatever I wanted. So I would have hot Cheetos like every day, but I wouldn't have a whole bunch, you know. And that's because that's how much I I actually wanted, and then. Really, I could only really take it for a week mm-hmm. of um, just trying new foods and just whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, some things I really didn't like. Like, I really did not like dairy milk, but I did like dairy ice cream. Um, I really don't like meats. I like, kind of like chicken, mm-hmm. um, but I, I didn't really like any turkey. And to me, that, they, that was so freeing because I was like, I can't have turkey. I can't have sausage like and I would I would smell it and think like kind of sounds good but I would push the thought away like no not even an option don't think about it so you walked yourself through from I can't have it to I I don't want it I don't like it exactly yeah I love that and you did that by trying it and just allowing the yourself the freedom for it to be okay to like it Mm-hmm. And I really think it was just the stress that gave me that hormonal acne. And I had really dark circles. I see. Um, I felt like deleting those pictures that I have. And uh. I thought I looked so good because my body <laughs> was smaller. <laughs> oh. oh, But it was just so not. Um, And I think because when, because we eat four to five times a day or more, like it, who cares how much you eat? But we eat a lot. Of, we all know each day mm-hmm. um whether it's like a billion different snacks or three big meals um so it was constantly on my mind i was constantly scared am i going to mess up today what am i going to eat am i going to have options am i going to bloat today am i going to eat something that makes me bloat and then i look fat for church like <laughs> stuff like oh, that that's horrible to be that um but i totally get it like can i just tell you that that same thing happens on the other end of the spectrum. I grew up super skinny. Um, it's just in my genes to be really, really skinny. And everyone teased me about having chicken legs and, oh, you're so skinny and lots of skinny jokes. And my mother used to say, come on, we need to fatten you up. And so my unhealthy relationship with food was I never felt like I ate enough of it or the right things to make me look healthier Mm, and look like more womanly or something. And so I always felt like a failure for not eating enough. That might sound ridiculous to people that are listening, but I just want to throw that out there because it does, um, it is something that I know they're not, I'm probably in the minority of people that struggle with that, but that is something people struggle with, isn't it? No, 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 no. You are not in the minority. (laughs) I will tell you right now, there are girls that, um, are skinny, they go through the the same exact things. I have really close friends, um, and I have people that just have opened up to me over Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, people have opened up to me at church, and like literally, it doesn't matter what size that you are, 
you struggle with these types of things. And that's why I'm so open about how I felt because Mm -hmm. I don't think all women realize, and it's not just young women. um, I think it's more like stressful for young women because we're constantly trying to figure it out and trying new things. Mm -hmm. I think for older women, they've just either given up or are helpless um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with the, with the whole dieting thing. Cause they're like, I've done those over and over and over and over and it's never going to work. Um, but they still struggle with the same type of things. Yeah. The body but, image is always a struggle right. and it's just so unfortunate just because I don't know, it just is, it's just really unfortunate. And the funny thing is we all struggle with it, but we all feel so alone. Right? We exactly. feel like we're the only ones just, but it's just everyone's struggle. So this mm-hmm. is wonderful that we're talking about it. What does a certified nutrition coach do, Carly? How do you help people? Tell us, tell tell the audience how you could be of help to them. Well, it's a certified nutrition coach. They could do a lot of different things. I I just had a client today, and she was telling me about her nutrition coach that she had before, and he basically all he did was don't made a list of things not to eat and made a list of things to eat, gave her a calorie count and said, text me every day, send me pictures of your food. So they, you will have the um, a nutritionist or a nutrition coach like that. And that's definitely not what I am. But for me, my whole mission statement, um, which is not very unique, um, Well, okay. I'll tell you my simple mission statement and that is healing relationship with your healing, your relationship with food. And so that's my goal with every single client is like, before we even talk about how healthy something is, because I know all of those things. Mm -hmm. And of course, um, I'm an informed intuitive eater now. So I intuitively eat, I listen to how full I am and all of that, but I also do research. I also pay attention to science and just use common sense, um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when it comes to food. And so, um, like I literally haven't had hot Cheetos in, I don't know, two months and it's not because any conscious effort, it's just like, there are much, there are chips much more tasty to me at this point and make me Mm -hmm. feel better. Mm -hmm. And it's truly because I want to, but, um, just healing. And then my, probably my more, more unique mission statement would be to, um, to relay how nutrition is both complex, but simple. And, and I know that, and that obviously tell me what you mean by that. Yeah. Tell us what you mean by that. So what I mean by that is their society wants to make nutrition sound like it's simple in the sense that, okay, it's about calories in, calories out. If you want to change the way your body looks, if you want to be healthy, um, count your calories, count your macros, count your vitamins, um, and and do all this weird research all the time and like listen to every single article writer about food, subscribe to my fitness pal and read all their articles. Like, and, Mm -hmm. and, um, but really they want to make it sound simple. Like it's, if something's, if you're not losing weight, it's your fault. So you need to buy our diet program again. Um, that's true. Yeah, that's true. It is your fault. And our program will help fix that. 
for you. Right. Like, oh, that's because you didn't follow it perfectly. Sorry. Yeah. You binged it or you so ate true. too many calories. Or you weren't um, consistent with it. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I'm okay. I'm like, okay, nutrition is not that simple. It's not calories in, calories out. And the reason why people do that is because, okay, if you want to – women that are under six feet eat 1,200 calories a day and you'll be good. Like that doesn't make any sense at all, but yet there's so many people who do that. you know. And I've had multiple clients come to me mm-hmm. and they're like, you know, I know it's not all about how you look, but – and then really it is all about how they look. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, if they could just – and so my first question to them is, if you know all of these things, why then do you still – and I'm like, I'm not saying this to like prove you wrong or mm-hmm. make you sound down. I just want to know how to help you. So I'll say, um, why do you still do it? You know, and it's it's because really it's cool to even make it sound like you don't care but really do. Like that's, that's how weird our culture is. Like <laughs> everyone true. really does care. Um, we do. We and do. So, so how I help people is I explain to them how nutrition isn't as simple as calories in, calories out. It's not as simple as everyone eating the same thing and that's going to fix it. Um, there's not a fix it all diet. Um, and also relaying the message that nutrition is really very intuitive and simple in the, in the fact of your own self. So my goal is for everyone to zoom in on themselves and figure out and figuring out, okay, what is right for me? What feels good to me? What foods agree with me? There are literally foods that just do not agree with people. Mm. Um, but it's healthy uh, that you'll have people writing about it's healthy. Um, and so they'll eat it anyway and they may not even pay attention to their own body and realize, man, every time I do this, I get bloated or I feel bad, you know? Um, but that's just zooming in on one thing. It's like, not everyone has the same amount of calories. Don't even count your calories. You have leptin and ghrelin. Those are your hunger hormones and they tell you how much to eat and not eat. You know, um, and you don't even necessarily need to be hungry to eat. And, and I'm not saying, um, to make yourself hurt, but you don't put those restrictions on yourself. If there is a cupcake and you want a bite of it and you're not hungry, go for it. You know, like, um, otherwise you're just going to go home and think about the cupcake or maybe Mm -hmm. you won't, you know, I Mm -hmm. trust. Yeah. Yeah. I trust people to make their own food decisions. And I think, and I, and I really think, um, if I'm right, that it helps people to trust themselves with their food decisions. Um, oh, cause we're I all, that. yeah, we're all capable. So that's, that's my main work is I, I want people to know that, um, just the truth, because this is such a big thing that there are so many people out there mm-hmm. looking to make money from our insecurities and our desperateness to look a certain way and do it fast. And of course, people think, well, is it healthy to be 400 pounds and stay that way? You know, 
I can't say yes or no, but I will say that's not very typical, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. everybody is different. And um, if you are listening to your body, if you are being nice to your body, if people feel good when they move, people feel good when they eat better foods. And if they're really given that freedom to do that, I promise you, you will be in the best shape ever. When I was in my eating disorder, yeah, I was smaller. I couldn't do physical fitness. I couldn't do, mm. I like, I, I'm so much stronger now looking at pictures. Wow. Um, I see that my body has just like, I, I see so much more like muscle growth and just really, um, like even better color to my skin um, in my face, at least. Um, wow. You're alive. You're mm-hmm. alive again. Yeah. That's yeah. Amazing. And so I've, it's so satisfying to see that in my clients. Mm. Um, as just today, this girl, she was like, you know, I didn't know that first of all, she didn't, she's like, there are just so many things I didn't know. She's like, I didn't know smaller girls deal with the same thing that I did. And I didn't know like that I was not alone. I didn't know that there was a way to fix my, she has diabetes. She was like, I didn't know there was a fix my diabetes without counting calories. Um, Mm. and she was like, and that so much is controlled with your food and it's not just, you know, lose weight. That'll fix everything. No, we have to be really careful about things that we compliment about, you know, because, um, somebody, I would get, people did notice that I would lose weight. And so, but they just assumed that I was being healthy and Mm. that's what I was giving off of. Yeah. Um, So it's just so typical of our culture. You know, when you say, Oh, you look like you've lost some weight. That's a compliment. Right. And Mm -hmm. you being a smaller girl, Mm -hmm. um, people don't see it as a bad thing to say, you need some meat on those bones, but that Mm -hmm. hurts. Yeah. Um, And, and especially from people that are, do are a bigger size. They, they, they don't think that, smaller girls struggle, um, with that type of thing. So they just kind of, and I used to do this even to my very own friends, just like, Oh, need some meat in those bones. You need to gain some weight. But I don't, I didn't really think it offended them, but it's the same. It goes the same way, you know, Mm -hmm. it's exactly the same. Um, so as far as, so there are a lot of mindset things that go into recovering. Um, and I think that it's like 90% mindset because if you have the right mindset, the actions, the only thing affecting your actions is outside situations, you know, emergencies or just things that come up, um, things like that. But when you have the right mindset, those right actions are going to follow. That's so awesome. What are some of the resources you wanted to share with the with our listeners or, and, and how can they work with you? You have like packages on your um, website. Tell us about those. Yeah. So um, if you want to work with me, which of course I would love, um, I have an Instagram. So you can go to Carly underscore talks underscore nutrition. Um, and my name is spelt with a K and two E's. So it's K-A-R-L-E-E underscore talks underscore nutrition. And then um, you can click on my website 
Um, it's just carlytalksnutrition.com. So if you want to go directly to my website, you can do that as well. Of course, I'm really active on my Instagram stories, but <laughs> I find it really hard to actually do posts. But I love um, your Instagram stories, by the way. They're great. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's just, I mean, I think it's just so much easier to really connect with people on there. And really, mm-hmm. I just get likes on my actual feed. Um, but with new, the stories, it's so fun to just going back and forth with people. But um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram and then um, go to my website. You can click on my nutrition coaching packages. So I have just the standard 50-minute um, session. So just 10 minutes short of an hour and we'll just start from square one, um, with your, just, I'll take you on a nutritional journey. Um, and I love it. It's my passion. And literally I go over my time every single time and I needed to really work on that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so then there, I have some packages as well. So I have, um, the improve athletic ability um, package. So that one's just really focusing on the person who wants to be stronger or uh, perform better athletically, um, and what their diet would look like doing that. Yeah. So that one is definitely the most popular, I will say. Okay. Um, that one's fun. It includes, and just go to my website. You'll see all the things that are included. I have a description for each, each thing that's included in the package. So there's the Improve Athletic Ability Package, and then I also have Combat Disease. So that one is most popular for people that just have um, a condition that kind of restricts their eating habits. So um, if that's diabetes or if it's celiac disease, people that have been told to eat gluten-free, I really help walk through them in that um, situation. Or if it's just somebody who just has a disease and they're trying to figure out how to heal through food. Um, That's really the best way to go. And then there's get your life back and get your life back is really different from the other ones. It's really for um, people who struggle with disordered eating, which by the way, if you don't struggle, if you don't think you have an eating disorder per se, if you don't qualify with all of the um, specifications, but you think, hey, a lot of these things that go on in Carly's head that I've explained, I kind of think the same thing. It's most likely that you just struggle with disordered eating. And I think that's most people. And so this package is even good for people struggling with disordered eating. They just want to have a right relationship with their food. So those mm-hmm. are my three packages. Oh, that's fabulous, Carly. Speak to the young girls out there that are struggling with bulimia, that you that you want to just let them know that you've been there and, and just encourage them right now. What would you say to that audience? Oh, that's a good one. And um, if you're out there, which I'm sure there's probably somebody out there, uh, this is what saved me. And I'm almost positive. This is what's going to help save you. Um, And really this applies to somebody struggling with bed, which is B E D binge eating disorder, which is how it started out for me. Um, even if you're not purging yet or just haven't even thought about purging, um, this is this applies. But you have to change your culture because how I ended up in the way that I did in the situations that I ended up in 
was because of my culture. And I'm, it's not one person. It's like I said, it, it's not my mom. It's not my sisters, but everything together was my culture. I realized body image was important. And if it's not as um, explicit these days, but when you look on there, when you're on Instagram, you kind of see a trend that it's cool to have a certain body shape. And so what you have to do is you have to change your culture. You have to clean up your culture. And so what I had to do and what helped me was the podcast that I listened to. She would interview a a woman after woman after woman, and they would all have very similar stories and they were all similar to mine. And I realized so many people deal with this and they've overcome it. And what they almost always had to do, actually always, what they always had to do was to clean up their culture. So if you're young or if you have Instagram, if you're on Instagram a lot, that means unfollowing some accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's somebody you know, like you don't have to unfollow them, just mute them. You know, like I don't understand why people don't utilize that more, to be mm-hmm. honest. It's like this is an amazing feature of Instagram is muting people um, because you that way you don't offend anybody. But there are um, – lots of accounts that I unfollowed because they would, they were just, um, the most obvious ones are the ones that tell you to count your calories or eat this, not that, um, type of things. Um, and once you immerse yourself in this culture, it's really easy to figure out which Instagram accounts to follow and which ones not to figure out to, um, follow and not follow. And I would suggest going to, um, my favorite podcast is RD Real Talk. Um, so that's RD stands for Registered Dietitians, which is what I'm going to school to be. So RD Real Talk. And she interviews people. This is um, one that really helps me. She interviews people all the time. They deal with a lot of the same things. And you realize, man, once you realize everybody's story and how they overcame it, you'll learn how to do it yourself. So First, do that. Then you'll figure out it'll be easy on Instagram. Okay, this person, I'm not going to follow because that triggers me. That makes me feel less than. I'm not going to follow that. That's so good. And the most amazing thing about Instagram is when you do that, when you unfollow those accounts and you follow the new ones, and I have a list here um, that will be in the show notes I'm going to send to Kelly. Um, when you follow these four or five accounts that I have, all of a sudden you're going to see some, these type of messages on your discover page because your phone, your Instagram is going to say, Hmm, she's not into this anymore. She's into this. And then you've literally created your own culture. And of course Mm. it has to extend beyond social media. You kind of have to set boundaries with you and your family. I had to tell my mom, you know, maybe don't mention, um, to me and I, and you have to make it about yourself. Um, don't make it about the other person. Like, don't do that. You sound, you're stupid when you do that. No, don't do that. You, you have to make it about yourself. You need to say, you know, when you say things like that, it really hurts me and it really triggers me. Um, obviously you have to open up to them. You don't, maybe have to tell them the whole story, especially if they're not close to you, but somebody you spend a lot of time with, you need to set rules, you know, maybe not tell me when you think that I've eaten enough, maybe just, um, 
not mention that because I, I really want to work on listening to my own body and, um, and use utilizing the, the gifts that God gave me, the abilities that God gave me. So that would be one way to phrase it. Um, and just set those boundaries. You know, I don't want to talk about your, how much weight you gained and how bad you feel about it, because I think you're beautiful. And I, I, and my family knows now, and it's so amazing to see in my own family that how the conversations have changed and how it started with me. And, um, and I'm not going to take all the credit because there, my sisters have definitely jumped into that whole culture and they have, they're into the same things now. Um, just hearing my story, they figured out, you know, they realized, you know, we have disordered eating as well. They didn't have eating disorders, but my older sisters are like, man, I didn't even know I struggled with disordered eating, but this really doesn't make sense. It's just the fact that the whole culture believes it. So I just normalized it, but this isn't normal. This doesn't, this isn't common sense. Um, so create your own culture. That's what I would say to any person struggling with disordered eating or an eating disorder. Wow, Carly, I absolutely love that. I love that. Thank you. Wow. Well, you have surely educated the masses today. And uh, (laughs) I know my eyes are open because I'm actually on the other end of that spectrum now and where I feel uh, because of some medication that I'm on, um, I've gained quite a bit of weight and I'm certainly not struggling with being too thin. I have put on those pandemic pounds that that keeps going around Instagram as a joke. But you know what? It's not really a joke because it really no. does affect how you feel about yourself. And you're spot on about how that. your clothes fit or, or don't fit anymore. And so I really do appreciate our talk today. And I promise to be more mindful about any negative self-talk that might be going on in my head about clothes not fitting as well right now. And so thank you for sharing what you know. Um, And I I applaud you because you're a young person and sometimes young people are too intimidated. They feel like, well, I don't know enough or I don't have the degree yet. And you have been such an example, Carly, um, to all of the girl bosses out there listening. Don't, you're not too young. If you have a story and if God has given you some education on it, um, then please share it. So there are those of us that need to hear your story. And Carly, you've done an amazing job sharing your story with us today. Thank you so very much. Thank you. And I'm so happy for you and congrats on taking that first step. Don't <laughs> let it, guys, don't let it stop with Kelly. Let it, let you guys make that decision too. It starts with one step at a time. Ah. Uh. Well, thank you again, and and thank you all for listening and joining the podcast today. If you know of someone out there that's struggling with body image, please share this message. Just hit that share button once once the podcast is over and send it to one or two or three people so that we can all be in this together. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much again for listening to the podcast, and we'll see you again on the next one.